Hi, everybody. For those of you who uh, don't have a clue who I am, I'm Stan Simmons. Uh, I used to be the lead pastor here. Nate was gracious enough to ask me to come this weekend and fill in for him as he and Jenny are uh, getting a weekend away. And today, as you might have picked up by the slide you just saw, I'm going to talk about how do you measure greatness? So let's uh, pray before we get started. Lord, thank you for this day. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here and that you are at work. And I'm reminded again, Lord, of how limited human communication is, how limited our words are in communicating accurately to so many different people. And so, Holy Spirit, would you do what only you can do, reveal yourself to every person in this room, every person who hears this message, and uh, help us hear what you want us to hear today, and we'll give you thanks in Christ's name. Amen. Well, now that I am retired, I do some different things than I used to do. One of them is uh, take care of my yard. Uh, you might think it's strange that I just began mowing my lawn not very long ago, but I, you know, I've worked six days a week most of my life and would rather pay somebody than take care of my yard on my day off, which was not my favorite thing to do. But now I take care of my yard, much to my wife's pleasure. And uh, a few days ago, I was working in the yard. I wasn't on my riding lawnmower. I had already finished that. I wasn't behind my self-propelled lawnmower trimming the edges. I had already finished that, but I was using my weed eater. And I, at one point, turned the weed eater off to uh, open the gate so I could finish in the backyard. And when I turned it off, my neighbor lady stepped out of her car and she said, hey, great job. To which I replied, yes, I'm having to learn some new skills these days. I was glad that somebody noticed. Great job. Now, I don't just think this about you. I know this about you. You want to be noticed. Now, some of you who are introverts might say, well, you know, that's really the last thing I want. But if you think about it at all, all of us want to be known. All of us want to be appreciated. All of us want to be admired. We want our gifts to be recognized and our worth to be valued. I was uh, looking through a version of my high school annual recently. I was packing some books, taking some books off a shelf, put them in a box to take them to the church library. And I came across a version of my high school annual. And I, so I sat down at my desk for a few minutes and I'm flipping through my high school annual and I wasn't in there. Well, I would, my mugshot was there like everybody else's. You know, you got the, all the mugshots with your name underneath it. But I looked through the rest and, you know, achievements, academics, all those things. I wasn't there. So I kept looking and kept, kept looking and kept look, looking. Finally, I found one place where I mentioned my name. 
There was a little section where it gave the birthdays of all the graduates, and it was headlined, Stan Simmons graduates on birthday. That was it. I didn't have much to do with the day I was born. I didn't have much to do with, you know, the day of graduation. Just, but that was it. That was my name. That's all I got. Now, we're all a little different, but, you know, I was a shy young man, and I didn't, well, I did things to be noticed, but not things that were worthy of the yearbook. But I, during that period of time, actually a couple of years before that, I, uh, being a shy person, wasn't recognized or acknowledged very much, and so just a couple of times, I went home, and I would turn on the, you know, the record player, those things that are popular again, and I'd turn it up as loud as I could, and I would imagine myself standing before the whole student body of my school, and I was the rock and roll star. And everyone was looking at me. Look at Stan. Isn't he great? Now, I know that there are some counselor types who are going to come up to me after the service. Please don't. You know, I've had enough psychology to know that I'm fairly normal. But that imagination that I had was a way to be recognized, a way to be acknowledged. Now, you might not use the word great in reference to yourself. I don't think many of us would say, I want to be great. But I, I want us to think about greatness, and, and you'll see where you fit into all of this. Great is a, is a fairly subjective word. We have great books. You know, I might, I might say to you, one of the greatest books that I ever read was Winds of War. You might read that book and say, that's not a great book. We have great meals. When my mother-in-law still lived with us, she would cook me liver and onions once a year, and the aroma of the liver and onions would go through the house, and Ginger didn't think it was a great meal, but I did. Not every week, but once a year. We have great movies. Going back a ways, my kids always thought Dumb and Dumber was a great movie. I always just thought it was Dumb and Dumber. We have great music. Achy, breaky heart is great to someone. I don't know who, but it's great to somebody. We have great athletes. I just watched a DVD series on the history of baseball that Ginger bought me. Started in 1848 or 49, somewhere in there, and goes up through the early 2000s. And gosh, it was amazing all these names that I recognized. And if I mentioned their name, you would say, yes, he is great. Yes, he's, he is great. But much to my disappointment, I found out that some of those people who were great were not great people. There's a difference. They were great in terms of achievements, in terms of accomplishments, but if you knew them, you would not say that that's a great person. 
We have great actors. I know that that's an art form. I know that 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 is something that's very hard work. But when I think about actors who, because of their notoriety, try and appear to be experts on all kinds of things, I always just think they get a trophy. They get an Academy Award for being the best at pretending to be somebody, somebody that they're not. They get Emmys for that. Have you ever noticed that nobody gives an Emmy for being a great person? So my question to you would be, do you want to be great or do you want to be a great person? You can be both. They're not mutually exclusive. But one without the other is not true greatness. Notice on your outline and on the screen, if you would please, Jesus' symbol for greatness is not a trophy, but a towel. Now, many of you would recognize the towel reference as being Jesus washing the disciples' feet in the upper room, which I'm going to come back to and make reference to in just a few moments. But I want to give you a larger context that describes the upper room from the big picture side, and then we'll come back to the upper room. So follow along as I read Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, Zebedee's sons were James and John, who were two of the three closest disciples to Jesus. So their mother comes. Imagine this scene. I, I wish I could have been there. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. In other words, Jesus is the King of kings, Lord of lords, the ultimate in terms of power, in terms of authority, in terms of greatness. And she's requesting that one of her sons sit on Jesus' left and one on the right so they would be the second and third most important people. Not to our surprise, when the ten heard about this, they were indignant. Why? Well, they didn't want them to, James and John, to be ahead of them. They were indignant with the two brothers. Should have been indignant with the mother, I would think. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, notice these words, lord it over them. And their high officials, notice these words, exercise authority over them. In other words, the way that the world that we live in thinks is that you look down on people. You want to get to a place of greatness in your life where you can rule over someone, lord it over someone, look down on someone, have authority over someone. But then notice what Jesus said. Not so with you, speaking to his followers. Say those words with me if you would, please. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus exemplified what he just talked about. Notice again on the outline and on the screen this statement. True greatness requires that we lay aside our lust for recognition and live a life of service motivated by love. Now, you know, I kind of hate to admit this, but I'm used to it. 
I'm very selfish. I'm not as selfish as I used to be, but I'm very selfish. I don't have to come back and face you next week, so I'll say, so are you. Now, I know some, there, there are degrees of selfishness. Some people are more selfish than others, but we're all selfish. We're born into the world that way. We think about us, me. Me, myself, and I is a hard thing to get over. Now, I, I put this ladder on the platform today to, you know, it could be much higher, but to remind you of the ladder of success. The ladder of success is something that is to be, you know, we climb the ladder of success, upward mobility, moving toward the top. I'm on top. I'm successful. I have achieved something. I have accomplished something. And notice every time I said that, I said I. The ladder of success is about me. Now, there's nothing wrong with being on top. In fact, there's a lot about, right about being on top. But wherever you fit, what is your attitude? Where is your focus? Is it on me? I want to come to the place where I can look down on you. I want to, the, I want to come to the place where you admire me, where you recognize my accomplishments and my success. It, it would be a different illustration for each of us, but we all want to be winners. We all want to be on top. I went through a season of time in my life where, why didn't I, why didn't I get asked to speak there? Why didn't I ask, get asked to do that? They got asked to do that. Why wasn't I recognized for this or that? Anybody identify? I was, uh, I was not a good student in high school. I never took any books home. I never studied. I, our class had about 120 people in it, and I think I was probably about 80th or something. And so when I graduated from high school, I, I didn't think I could go to college and succeed. So, and I proved myself right because I went to college and messed around for two terms and flunked out. So I stayed out for a long time. And finally, through a friend, which is too long a story to tell, I, I decided to go back and give it another shot. And, you know, when it comes to mathematics or... Uh, have you ever, did you ever take statistics? Oh, gosh, I was dumber than a door when it came to statistics. It's horrible. There shouldn't be such a thing. When I walked out of my final exam in statistics, I was so befuddled I walked into the women's restroom, much to some people's surprise. <laughs> but I figured out fairly early on I could memorize stuff. I could memorize stuff pretty well. So in this psychology class, it was about memorizing stuff, and I memorized stuff pretty well, so I got straight A's. And gosh, that was affirming. It was a biology class. It was about memorizing stuff, too. It was kind of an interesting class, though. The, the most interesting way of evaluating people that I ever saw all the way through school, the teacher said, I'm going to give you a pop quiz, 
It'll be every week or two. Be ready. So I was, and I memorized stuff. And he had an interesting way of passing out papers because he was handing out the papers the class after we took the test, and he said, Simmons. And I was kind of taken back because I'm an S and I'm way down the line normally. But he said, Simmons. He gave me my test, and I looked at it, and I thought, gosh, I got a good grade on that. And then he said, Pinckney, and I don't remember her first name, but her dad was my political science professor's. She was the daughter of my political science professor. said, Simmons and Pinckney, and I looked at my test, and I was wondering, what's, what's happening here? And a couple of weeks later, we took another test, and he said, Pinckney first. And I looked over at her, and she smiled at me. Next time, Simmons first, and I looked over at her and smiled. Obviously, what he was doing was the highest grade was first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. But after it got past one or two, I didn't pay any attention. There must have been 40 or 45 students in the class. I have no idea who was 10th or 15th or 20th. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Should I have felt good about myself for getting the best grade in the class? Sure. And, and, and it's important that you realize when I'm talking about what I'm talking about, God isn't asking you to be less than, than you're capable of. Would, would Jesus have been happier with me if I was 15th? Of course not. He was happy that I got an A. But I, it took me a long time to figure this out. But I, I, I thought about, you know, did Jesus notice that I got an A? I don't know. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Would he have noticed if I was 15th? Maybe so, maybe not. Would he have been mad at me? No. If it was the best I could do. But I thought about what, what would make Jesus happy? I'll tell you what would make Jesus happy. That when I got the highest grade, rather than thinking about me, everybody noticed I got my paper first? Rather than thinking about me, that after the class, maybe sometime during that week, you know, I, or when the papers were being passed, I, I would have noticed who was 15th or 20th and and I'm, I might have gone to them and said, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, but I'm pretty good at biology. I'm pretty good at memorizing stuff. I could probably help you get a better grade. And if you did that in humility, that person would probably, well, gosh, could you? But that never occurred to me. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about service. That we would not simply focus on ourselves, but we would focus on some, helping someone else do better, be better, and do that in humility. That's what he did. That's the way that he lived his life. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 6, gives big picture here of exactly what I'm talking about. It's talking about Jesus, big picture. Who, that is Jesus, being in very nature God. Now, 
Could we all agree that no, nothing is higher than God? He's the most powerful. He's the smartest. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all those things that are far above everybody else. You don't get any greater. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, when Jesus came to this earth, he did, did you ever notice he didn't walk around and, you know, heal the blind message? See that? Pretty cool, huh? Where was his focus? It wasn't on him. He's the ultimate, and yet the focus wasn't on him. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I want you to notice is that Jesus didn't make himself less than he was before. He was God in the flesh. But he chose to humble himself and focus on others rather than just focusing on himself. In other words, Jesus forever changed the meaning of greatness by serving others. I don't think we truly are aware or appreciate what Jesus did when he left heaven and came to earth as a person, as a mere mortal. For you, to serve you, to help you, not for himself. Nothing to be gained for himself, only you, his creation. Now, go back to the ladder for a moment. We think about upward mobility. And I don't need to tell you, it's in your life every day. The world measures things vertically. And you know where you fit. You know if you're on top in terms of the world's view of things. You know if you're a success. Or you know if someone is more successful than you. Someone is greater than you. Someone can look down on you. You have to look up to some, I mean, you know where you fit. Nobody needs to tell you where you fit. We all know. And yet, Jesus kind of reversed everything. And it's a little bit confusing, but let me see if I can explain. This is left, and this is right. Correct? Some of you are nodding yes. Is this left and this right? Are you sure? Some of you are shaking your heads no. This is right and this is left to you. It depends on your perspective, doesn't it? From my perspective, left, right. From your perspective, right, left. From Jesus' perspective, down is up. Not making yourself less than, but being willing to serve. Not, not elevating yourself 
and paying attention to your accomplishments, but willing to serve others and help them succeed, rather than self-promotion, the promotion of others in helping them succeed. When you look at the ladder, from Jesus' perspective, the higher you go on the ladder, it simply means the more people you have the opportunity to serve. It's not about me. It's about them. Now, <clears throat> when you think about a, a doctor, what makes a doctor great? Is, is a doctor great because of you look at him and, or her and, wow, they're brilliant. Wow, they've got a great education. A doctor is great because their patients get better. That's the measure. If you think about a teacher, always drove me crazy, especially in college, that some professors tried to impress you with their vocabulary. They create a whole new language to exclude others. When the true measure of a teacher is that you learn. They become great because you succeed. Think about a coach. A number of years ago, there was a, a college basketball coach in town named Craig Carson. And Craig uh, and I were friends for a few years. And... Uh, the team that he, teams that he coached had the most three-pointers of any team in the nation at any level for a few years. And one of the reasons that I loved Craig is that he, was, he, had, he had great teams, but when he was interviewed, he never talked about himself. You notice that too. He never talked about himself. He always talked about his players. What makes a coach succeed? that it's not like, wow, I'm a great coach. It's that I invest in other people, and as they succeed, I succeed with them. In other words, it's a change of focus. We don't like to admit this, but this is the reality of the way that we live. Me and others say, well, pastor, maybe you're that way, but not me. Yeah, you are. I just challenge you to go through this week and evaluate every time that you're thinking about life being about you. I didn't get this, or I didn't get that, or I want this, or I want that. But what Jesus is trying to help us do, and it's one of the hardest things we'll ever do in our life, and that is to reverse that and say, others and me. When you see someone who is motivated that way, you will love them. You will appreciate them. They may be a great, they may be great or they may not be great, but they're a great person. And again, and again, to be a great person doesn't exclude the fact that you can be great. Accomplish all that you can. But while you're doing it, be a great person. 
I'm going to conclude by asking you four questions. The first question is, what do you want to accomplish? What is it that your life is about? And I, and I just want to say to you, you know, we're not all created equal. We have equal value, but we're not, we don't have the same gifts. We don't have the same talents. We're not born with the same opportunities. But whatever you can accomplish that's deep in your heart, go for it. Be the best that you can be, and Jesus is going to be proud of you for it. Maybe it's academics. Maybe it's athletics. Maybe it's politics. Maybe it's full-time ministry. Whatever it is that God put in your heart, do the best that you can. Go for it. Be great if you can. Be the greatest you can. But the second question is, why? What is your motivation? Is your motivation to be admired, to be acknowledged, to be on top, to be a success, to be great? Or to be a great person? A wrong perspective of success can be a heavy burden to bear. Third question is, how will you conduct yourself along the way? Now, here's where the world plays tricks on you. The world says, be great at any cost. Succeed at any price. Do whatever you have to do to exalt yourself and put somebody else down. How will you conduct yourself on your way to being the best that you can be? Hatred, jealousy, selfish ambition, discord, fits of rage, dissension, envy. That's not a great person. Or love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Now here's how you're taught to think. That's weakness. If you do those things, you'll get run over. You'll, you'll be weak. And I challenge you to think about Jesus Christ. God himself, who accomplished more and who accomplishes more than any human being ever could. And he's in the second list, not the first. The last question is, who's going with you? Who are you taking on this journey with you? Are you... Are people expendable to you? Or are others becoming great people with you? I, I asked the weekend team to put these stickers in your, in your handout today, and I'd, I'd like to ask you to take those out if you would, please. And notice, please, that there are five red stickers and there are five blue stickers. The red stickers, remember this please, the red stickers mean temporary. The blue stickers mean eternal. And I, I challenge you to do this. Please do, please do this. And, and do this with someone because they'll help you be honest. Maybe on your way home, maybe after you get home, Take the red stickers 
and, and put those red stickers on your most prized possessions. Maybe you, can, maybe you could go out and put a sticker on the window of your car. I like my motorcycle. I like my Ford pickup. Red sticker. Maybe I could put one on the front door of my house or on this beautiful sculpture that I have in a red sticker. And then take the blue stickers and put them on something eternal. Now, what that means is when you go home, put your red sticker on possessions. Bill, for Kyla, you get to go home and you get to stick one of these blue stickers right on her forehead. Just, well, maybe not on her forehead. Maybe your cheek or maybe your shoulder. I noticed after the last service, there were a lot of people running around with blue stickers on. Why is that important? I don't know anyone who would say, you know what? I want my life to just be about stuff and people don't matter. But boy, we sure spend a lot of time and energy on stuff at the expense of people unless we pay attention. So Lord, today as we think about your evaluation of greatness and your evaluation of our success in this world, I'm so grateful, Lord. I know a lot of really great people. Some of them are great. Some of them are not great in the world's measure, but they're great people. And would you help us make decisions about our life and evaluate the decisions that we make in terms of how you measure success? Lord, help us not to fall into the trap that means justify the end, whatever it takes to get there. But help us look through the eyes of great people. The truth is, Lord, probably most of the stuff we have doesn't really matter that much. We appreciate it. It doesn't matter that much. But Lord, as we stick those blue stickers on people today, let that be an affirmation to them and to us of how valuable they are to you and how valuable they are to us. And Lord, help us value people and give our life for them and deal with our selfishness that we may be selfless. We love you and give you thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to be prayed for today, there'll be some people up front. If you'd like to talk to somebody about what it means to be a follower of Christ, there'll be some people here you can talk to. God bless you. Have a great day. See you later.